If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everybody. Andy Burt here. Welcome along to episode 72 of the Early Excellence Podcast. In this week's episode, we're joined by Jasmine Priestley and Lucy Jill from Manorwood Primary School in Leeds. As part of the conversation, we discuss and explore the inspirational and innovative practice which has been developed by the Foundation Stage team at the school. So here you go, my Early Excellence podcast chat with Jasmine Priestley and Lucy Jill. So thank you very much for joining us, Jasmine and Lucy from Manor Wood Foundation Stage Unit in Leeds. Um, thank you for joining us. How are you both? We're great. Thank very you. good. Really good. Thank you. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for asking us to come on. We're very excited <laughs> to have half about our space. It is a pleasure. Good to see you. Good to see you. And Jasmine, of course, um, you have been on the podcast before. In fact, other than people who work for Early Excellence, I think you're the only person to come on so far a second time. Um, so yeah, really? there you go. I'm honoured. <laughs> what an honour. Second time up. Um, because, of course, you used to work... Um, over at another school in Leeds, didn't you? Do you want to tell us where else you've worked? Yes, so I used to work at um, Oakwood Academy, which is a school in East Leeds. Um, So I worked there for a long time, um, eight years I was there. So this is the second school I've worked at. I've nearly been teaching for 10 years now. Um, So at Oakwood, I worked very closely with my friend and um, at the time she was the foundation stage leader, Maeve Birdsell. um, And we um, have written two books together um, with our other colleague as well, Claire. Um, One of our books is Rainbow Birds and the other book is Wrinkle People, which documents our projects um, and our environment that we had at the time. Um, so my passion is re- really children's interests, um, curiosity, creativity, and I feel like I'm very lucky because the experiences that I've had have all been in um, settings where I have the opportunity to work with children in that way. Fantastic. Super. Okay, so... Um... That's a bit of background in terms of you, Jasmine. What about you, Lucy? Tell us a bit about your background or your, your experience so far. Have you worked at Man and Wood for long? Yes, a long time. I'm not as impressive as Jasmine. I you are. Written, yeah. I haven't written a book. <laughs> but yeah, I've worked within Man and Wood. It's coming up 10 years, but actually in the foundation stage, about five, this is my fifth year of teaching. Prior to that, I worked in the not to two setting, which also has Reggio Emilia ethos. So I've I feel like I am a bit of an expert in the area as well. Yeah, and you've worked with children from birth as well. Yeah, from you? birth, birth to five, um, nearly ten years, like Jasmine. Yeah, really interesting. Um, and of course, the way that this interview came about um, is that, of course, I knew that um, Jasmine and Maeve uh, were working together at uh, at Manor Wood, and so I, I followed you on Twitter and was really interested to see how things were going over at Manor Wood, and. Um, 
I've been really impressed, you know, really inspired by all sorts of things that you've been sharing on social media. You know, some absolutely amazing projects that come that clearly come from the children's interests, the children's fascinations, that really powerful learning. And so a few weeks ago, I got in touch with a colleague of yours, Victoria, um, about the, the possibility of of putting together or having an interview really a chat a podcast chat with with some of the some of the team so what we're going to do is of course we're, we're going to break it into two podcast interviews so we've got yourselves we're going to be chatting to you today and then separately we're going to be talking to um, colleagues of yours Hillary and Victoria about other aspects of the practice um, now in terms of today you have chosen an area to talk about haven't you do you want to tell us what you've chosen to talk about yeah, so we um, wanted to really talk to you about our our space and um, the way we set up our space, um, the provocations that we set up for children um, and also the opportunities that children are given throughout the day within the spaces. Um, just to give you an idea, because you were saying that you haven't been to visit, so hopefully you'll come to visit soon, so it gives you a bit of a... Um, an idea as well, um, just just how our space works and what our environment looks like and what that gives to our children. Fantastic. Yeah, super. So um, tell us a bit then about the space. Describe the, the overall space to us. Just paint a picture for us. What does the overall, what's the overall space like? You're an early years unit, aren't you, first of all? So in terms of it being a yeah. unit, is that nursery and reception or are, you, are, we, are we saying two reception classes? What, what, how, how, what are we meaning by unit in your context? So I think it's quite overwhelming when we say it actually because we have a lot of children. Mm-hmm. So we have four classes. They are made up of nursery and reception children. We have a 60 um, intake from reception children. So that's 15 reception in each colour group. And then we have about, I think it's about a 70 place intake yeah. for nursery children. Um, so around each class, I think we have 128 children. So we've got about 32 on average in each class. Um, yeah. Four, four colour groups. We've got purple group, which I'm the teacher of. Yellow group, which Jasmine's the teacher of. Orange group and green group, which we've got two other amazing, well, many staff yeah. that are amazing yeah. working in spaces. Um, it's very large very very open we don't really have doors it's a no, unit so it's a really open unit really open unit the children can access all areas they can go into each color group we provide a multitude of opportunity across the whole unit so say for my in my space for example it's very making area dressing up and then if you went into Jasmine's, there would be something else on offer, but my class still have access to that. Yeah, so, that. Um, yeah, and the areas are, we, we don't repeat provision. So, yeah. for example, in um, Lucy's group, she wouldn't, I've got water, she wouldn't then have water because the children have access throughout the day to all the different spaces. Um, and also the children are mixing um, constantly with reception and nursery together because the groups have both aged children so um that's been really nice for me because I've come from a setting where I had a reception class and we did mix nursery and reception did mix but I actually um really enjoy that I'm teaching nursery children and reception children together and I think that 
um, the children learn so much from each other. Absolutely. I think having having the wide range of ages is um, a really special thing for the children. And also the children will then move up to reception within that colour group. So the transition just isn't really there. They're just, they're, they're, they're ready and they're already settled. And then, so that's, experts, don't they? Yeah, they do. experts in their environment and they build on everything that they've learnt the year before. So we just see such progress across. It's yeah. Some children leave us. They might Nursery children might go to a different school, but we have a lot that stay with us. So we know yeah. them inside yes. and out. Yeah. And as you say, you're taking away a transition there, aren't you? There's no, there's no transition between nursery and reception. They just continue. And also, I think, as you say, what is really powerful is I think we often underestimate the, that power of children learning from each other. I think we talk a lot about about adults teaching children. We don't talk enough, I would say, about, about children learning from each other. And uh, I used to teach, I used to lead within an early years unit of nursery and reception children together. And I felt that that was a real strength of what we offered. And I think that, that actually that comes across in what you're saying, that you, you would see children watching intently, particularly younger children, um, nursery age children watching intently what the older children are doing and then fast forward a year maybe two years and those children are the leaders they're the ones who are leading it and I used to feel that actually those children were even further on that it was almost like a spiral going up because actually those children they'd learned from children who were further on than children two years before that and actually you got children growing and developing and taking it that bit further each time. Does that make sense? From Because they've watched other children doing it. Yeah, and I have a bit of an example of that, actually. I've got a little girl in nursery and um, she was just watching um, two older reception children. She was just watching them and they were writing a sign because they'd made a hedgehog house and they were writing a sign and she was just sitting watching really happily. And then it probably took maybe two weeks but then she got the materials and she was mark making and she said I'm making a sign for the hedgehog house so obviously that had stayed with her and really and she'd really been inspired by them um so yeah you're definitely right I I see a lot of moments like that yeah and and of course you then have as well that kind of the broad a real breadth of need, I would imagine, as well, in that you've got, of course, nursery children coming in at three, as well as older children at at five or or, or a little bit older. Um, I would imagine that your environment then needs to cater for a, bro- a broad range of needs in that way. So you need to think, yeah. of course, I'm sure you will have done, that that your environment actually is, is open-ended enough to meet the needs of the children. Um, and provides enough opportunities for children to take that learning on themselves. Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we find often that there is definitely different needs and some days you've got 30 different interests, 30 different needs all going on, but you can almost apply them and expand them. So today, for example, I've we've done a lot, you might have seen on Twitter, we've done a lot around nature, spring, flowers, collecting flowers. The children in Purple Group are particularly interested in it. Um, but then today with some of the nursery are, are, are really needing to develop those fine motor skills and, and the sensory needs. So we thought, right, what can we do? How can we build upon the flower collection that a lot of the reception have been writing about, looking at bees, doing beautiful observational drawings, which do, some of the nursery do do as well. But today we thought, 
we're going to go back to basics and get out play-doh so we made some play-doh together and we added the flowers in and the nursery just swarmed around it and they really needed to use the different fine motor skills to help them roll it add the flowers build the built beautiful bouquets and fairies and magic all came into it but you can see there that we're really catering to the needs of the reception children by challenging them with the writing and then and and the drawings and then the nursery with their sensory need as well yeah and I think as you said said Andy it's the open-ended nature of of how we set up and the open-ended nature of our environment we have so many resources high quality resources that are open-ended and the reception children can that you know there's no ceiling to the learning they can take it where they want to take it and also nursery children can access that as well um and I think open-ended resources are so so important and when we set up our provocations we might sometimes have a little bit in our mind of oh it, it, it may go this way and they might take it this way but actually there's opportunities for them to take that in the direction that they want to and that they need to yes yeah absolutely the um I, th- I think that the, the resources themselves are incredibly important, aren't they? Which resources you select, which resources that you plan for in terms of what's going to be available are incredibly important. Um, you know, really giving those resources and materials value that we are not talking about toys as such, are we? We're talking about materials and resources for the children to use and to explore um, and to take on in different ways and use in different ways. Um, let's um, Let's kind of think let's go back to that kind of bigger picture before we focus in okay so we've started focusing in haven't we let's go back to that bigger picture a little bit just because as I say I haven't um as you said I haven't been to the to this to your setting yet and would love to visit I must visit um so Talk us through it then. It, 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 take us on a bit of a, a, a kind of a, a tour of the space. You, you mentioned you've got you've got multiple rooms, but um, that you that they're very open in terms of the different spaces, and that you use the spaces for kind of almost as a hub for different groups, but that in each space you are providing something different. So a kind of a um, a kind of a, a painting or dancing area perhaps in one room like you said and then a, a different space and then another different space talk us talk us through what those different spaces provide if you wouldn't mind because that sounds to me quite different to what most people provide within their schools and so I think people will be really interested from the outset in terms of actually how do you provide that and what does that look like? So can you take us on a bit of a tour? Imagine we're walking around. Where are we going? And, and talk us through actually what will we see in each of the rooms? Can you do that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. We'd love to. Um, so our rooms do have themes and I think the themes are linked to um, uh, what, what we see as being important and also I think what children are naturally curious about and what we feel like they they need to be provided with in, on their learning journey so we do have a room which I'm in at the moment which is dedicated to nature um, which we call the garden room um, well often it gets called yellow group because <laughs> yellow group are in there but um, it's so we really want to foster that love of nature I think children are naturally so drawn to na- natural resources and nature um, and actually often in there we try and draw them in even more so at the moment I'm doing a dandelion investigation and I think it's interesting because dandelions are everywhere and children are seeing them all the time but actually 
um, because we've had them in in the room and we've been really focusing on them and talking about them, they've become even more interested and even more curious. Um, so, so nature is a really big element of our practice. So we have a space dedicated to that. Um, also near the nature area, we have a light area because um, light and shadow are often a fascination of children's and we know that children need the opportunities to um, explore light. So we have an area dedicated to that as well. Um, the lighting in the setting is very, um, well, you did come to Oakwood, so you'll probably... It's similar, it's, similar, it's similar in that sense. So we we have quite low lighting. We have lamps and um, we want to provide a calm, homely feel because ultimately children need to feel safe and secure and happy in the environment. And we feel that like that provides that. We have music playing. We want children to just feel calm. And that's when we feel like we get the best best outcomes from our children. And the school bright lights were sometimes too much for me, yeah, let alone the yeah. poor children. So we think ca- calming and we have spotlights that really highlight areas as well. And yeah. areas of provision which help draw them into it. Um, building on from Jasmine. So you'd go, when you go through the front door, you actually do hit purple group first, which is my classroom. It has a theme. It has, it's been called many things across the years. I've kind of adapted and changed it, changed it across the years based on what I feel the children have used it for. Yeah, so the environment's always Always adapting. changing. Whilst we might, like you said, have an overarching theme, we, we stick to it to some extent, yeah, but then we but change we're, it we're listening regularly. to the children all the time. Yeah, so Purple Group is has been known as the Snook. It's also been as, known as the Research Hub. This year, I'd say, I don't really know if I've given it a title. You've got lots of crafting going yeah. on, haven't you? And your project at the moment is dressing up. So yeah, so I've got a dressing really... up area, which we just found. We had, we've had, we always had dressing up um, clothes for the children and materials and resources, but we just found that they needed to do it. They wanted to do it. They wanted to, tra- to transform. So we've just really dedicated a large area to that, um, providing lots of different materials. Yeah, from... and we are lucky enough as well to be, you know, we're in Leeds, we're in a very culturally diverse community, um, and that's celebrated within our All setting as well. Things, yeah. So lots of fabrics and materials um, that Lucy's got have come from um, some of our staff, families. some of our families. So we, the, lots of our families are represented within that area as well. Yeah, so I go back to paper. I've got the dressing up, and then next, pretty much next to it, it's a making area. We would say, which has lots and lots of resources of lots more like cutting, sticking, gluing, yeah. sewing. We've had a massive interest in sewing this year, where we've we ha- actually had a stay and sew session where the parents came in and joined in with the children, starting to learn those basic sewing skills, which is quite. So even me, I don't know how to sew. And the children, some of them are experts. They were yeah. teaching me how to do it. And they were fascinated with threading the needles and creating a pattern. You had at one point as well, lots of wrapping opportunities. Yes. So wool and ribbon and wrapping, because that seemed to be something that the children were constantly doing, constantly, weren't they? Outside, yeah, outside wrapping the trees. And um, so at one point, Lucy provided branches and the children had lots of wool and fabrics and things to wrap with. It's beautiful. It's still hanging in my classroom because <laughs> I'm holding on to it because it's that beautiful. Um so that's the main body of purple, but attached to that is a dedicated reading area. Um, I don't know if you've seen pictures on Twitter, but we can definitely provide them. It's very like a home, bedroom yeah. type. Yeah. 
Provided it's the type of place you'd want to go and read. You want to cook cozy up and read, and the children really do use it for that. They, yeah. they sit together, they get under a little blanket, they read the books, look at the pictures, and obviously the children that are not at the stage of reading yet, they make their own stories up, the storytelling, they're creating little dens. We provide, we've put the staff room table in there once and yeah. put cushion and blankets over it so they can get underneath and create a cozy little nook. Um, and then directly opposite. We still decide if it's the best idea because it's directly next to it. But we have a huge painting area. Yeah. Um, that they just every type of paint. We've had powder paints, watercolors, every type of paint in there. Haven't we? That the children yeah. access freely. We don't necessarily always have an adult in there. They can just go in and experiment. Um, last week we had a huge piece of paper on the floor and they were just whole body in the paint swimming yeah. around in it giving and them that get, immersive experience we get some incredible artwork from our children but it's I think stunning, it's yeah. really important for them to also have access to just freely paint and experience the materials so that's the area where we focus yeah. on that not necessarily giving them right today we're going to look at flowers it's just a space for them to draw paint yeah. do as they wish and yeah. like you say experiment and yeah test themselves and then orange yeah so orange is another space that we've got and that's dedicated to music and movement um they all link as well there there is no when we say there's no walls there's literally no no doors yeah they they can just freely move in and out the the areas which is really nice um so movement is obviously something that we movement and dance is something that we're also really passionate about and we want to give children the freedom to be able to do that and we're actually really lucky because um the teacher in orange group is a musician so he can he can he knows about music so that's really great and so he's definitely in the right space um he really promotes a love of music they have pianos guitars we project they watch dancing a lot of the children are interested in the go to dancing so we had ballerinas on on and the it helped the children learn to move their bodies yeah. and use the fabrics to dance with. And then we've also got um, Green Group, which at the moment has a huge sand pit, which the huge. children can <laughs> actually get into and um, has a, a big construction area. Um, of baking. Baking in there as well, cooking. And um, off Green Group, we have an atelier, which is where Victoria, who you were talking about earlier, that's where she's based. And that's where children can really focus on those um, art techniques. And she works with small groups in there. So it's a really nice space to um, really concentrate on their artwork and their fascinations. And also it's a great place because um, because it's a dedicated art space. The children can display their work in there so they, that they, it can stay in there and yeah. um and off there, we, we haven't. Oh, even, no, we haven't even touched on the outside. We haven't even got to outside yet. <laughs> so we also have a woodwork area where children are encouraged to um, explore their woodwork and their taught skills, um, tools, hammers, uh, yeah. nails, saws. Yeah. So they're taught the, um, how to be safe with those materials and the skills that they need to create in there. Um, and we also do it's linked essentially to an outside atelier so there is our opportunity yeah. there as well isn't there it's it's like a shelter it's outdoors but it's sheltered so we can we use it all the time don't we yeah in there they if they build something in the woodwork area they might want to build upon that further yeah. paint it 
decorate it, ribbons, all sorts. Yeah. Um, so as well as being inspired by um, Reggio Emilia preschools, we're also inspired by the Scandinavian forest schools as well. So um, we're actually really lucky to have a gorgeous outdoor area with, um, and there is really a woods in yeah, there, it, isn't there? It's so we huge. Do... I think everybody that's ever visited the outdoor space absolutely astonishes them because it is it is huge to say we're a school and yeah, that amount of space that we have we have polytunnel a yeah. huge polytunnel where we grow our own produce the children grow and plant and we watch vegetables and fruits grow mainly vegetables yeah. and we pick them um, and use them eat them potatoes cook yeah. on them um, we've got a fire pit so yeah. we cook cook outside often and um, we have a huge sand pit as well outside <laughs> we've got a river bed that the children made, are made yeah. um which is amazing With a pond as well yeah so we're um we're very mud kitchen <laughs> yeah mud kitchen. yeah it's, it's it sounds absolutely amazing i'm sure i'm sure people who are listening to this will be thinking crikey it just and 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 understandably it just sounds absolutely idyllic you know what lucky children in terms of the space that you have in terms of the different experiences that you have there for the children. I think it's, it sounds amazing. Um, I think um, what struck me when you were talking was that real balance between what you're providing there in terms of the materials and resources and that incredible range of materials. You know, like you said, you know, the painting area is not just kind of, you know, uh, a, pot, a few pots of paint and then one or two brushes and that's it at the easel. It's a full choice of watercolour paints, different sizes of brushes, presumably different materials to paint with, including sponges or rollers and all kinds of other things, as well as access to natural materials. I mean, I haven't been, so, you know, I'm kind of assuming, but I I'm, I would think from knowing your practice previously, Jasmine, that this is probably what it is like. And from seeing photographs, of course, on social media, but that full range of different materials, we're not just talking about a few things, are we? We're talking about real choice and that real enabling environment in terms of the children having choice to a range of materials but then alongside that we've got the other thing that you mentioned which is that you are definitely teaching the children within those spaces so you mentioned a few times that that you teach the children the skills to use the materials so whether that be in woodwork or whether that be in the atelier space you're talking about specific skills being taught in order that the children can use those materials well and that there is a clear link between the environment and the teaching going on. Whereas I think what happens sometimes is that the, is that teaching is seen as something that happens kind of more in a, in a very directed way on the carpet or at the group table. And then when we finish both of those things, the children can go off into the environment and the adults might carry on working at the group table. Whereas actually what, what I think comes across with what you're saying is that actually that isn't necessarily the case for you. What, what you do is you use that environment and really value it and make sure that you use it as a teaching tool. So you were talking about the physical skills children need and the environment does that and the adult teaches the children how to get the most out of it. You talked about the music room and how the adult is a skilled adult in terms of music and that that adult really values music and is teaching the children and giving the children experiences alongside 
that enjoyment of music. Is that right? I mean, that's what I'm gaining from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think as we are Reggio Emilia inspired, we follow that approach. The environment is essentially the third teacher. We It's a partnership between the children, ourselves and the environment. And we all work together collaboratively to yeah. construct their learning. Like The children are the absolute centre of everything that we do. They're the most important things. And the environment and us should be championing that and Definitely. empowering the children. And and it just it just makes sense, doesn't it, that if children are passionate and they're going to a certain area, that's where the teaching should be. That's that they that they are the perfect opportunities to teach them those skills because they're motivated and they want to interested be there and they're and interested. Curious and, and and you know, the interactions during play are just so important and you can get so much from that. Um but you know, we we are allowing children to follow their interest and have a very child-led experience but also we recognize that there are opportunities where we can um teach an opportunities where we can teach them the skills and then that and enables them, their learning yeah extend their learning and that enables them to make more choices in the in their future learning because they've already got those skills and they think oh actually I really like the woodwork area and I'm quite good at this. So, so now maybe of, I'm practicing the skill of Yeah, I'm going to, to plan to do this and I'm yeah, going to make... Build a birdhouse. Yeah. Some of them have yeah. done that as well. So they really yeah. apply them throughout yeah, really the interesting. Really interesting. I'll tell you one, one question I wanted to ask. You mentioned the painting area where the children have got experience of or have opportunity to, to select from watercolours and other, other materials, as we've just mentioned. And then later on, you mentioned the atelier. And what I was interested to know is, is what's the difference between the two? What, does it, what, what do you see in terms of the difference? And what's the, what's the difference in terms of the experience? Is it about the role of the adult or is it about the materials or a combination of the two? I think a mixture, really. I'd say yeah. a, a Victoria is highly skilled and she whilst it's an art room it's not it's art in a broad sense it's not just paint she would offer she's done so outstanding work with lino printing yesterday they were interested in I think it was like a sea world and she yeah. had blinds up and it was really an immersive they were uh, experienced they were shadow puppeting and she, she so often children go in there and um and she recognizes an interest they have and then it's an opportunity for them to um explore that interest in in that area i think the paint area is more of a free space isn't it mm-hmm. where they are exploring the materials and the paint mm-hmm. whereas yeah maybe in the in the atelier it's the role, role of the adult and that there's a bit more serve and return between the adult and child and yeah. and what's provided and she's a she's a constant within that space and she when she's working with children it's often a very small select children so yesterday it was three children from my group and it was three there were other children come in and out and yeah. they get involved but she really noticed that these particular children had a need and a want to explore this underwater world and the creatures so she spent the time doing that and provided them with such a rich experience. They recorded it, they put on a show. They were so excited they came to get me to show it, to show about it. And mm. it didn't include paint whatsoever, did it? It was completely... Yeah, yeah, so it can be completely different. Often she's exploring light in there, yeah. isn't she? Um, I think when you talk to Victoria, it would be good to talk to her about the atelier because she she could tell you all the, thing, all, the, <laughs> yeah, and all the things that are going on in there currently. Um, we we see we see it, but she'll have the detail of what the children are saying and what they're doing in there. But um, it, we're very lucky to have that space. Yeah, and and 
and, and an additional and adult, yeah, yeah, yeah. to work with the children. Yeah, no, fantastic. The um, the other thing that I that struck me as well from what you were saying is that it takes real skill in terms of the adults, doesn't it? And, you know, that, as you mentioned, you know, Victoria is clearly very skilled in terms of listening to the children, engaging with the children, um, observing what they're doing, what they're fascinated by. And then she will have a, a kind of almost a, a sort of a, a toolkit of from her own experiences of, of actually what where we could go with this, you know, where this might lead to, what sorts of me- media we might use, what sorts of experiences we might want to show the children or engaging with the children and so on. And I, I think that's a really interesting aspect of the practice. Um, again, going back to a, as an early years leader myself of an early years unit, um, I was always aware that once you start kind of opening that box of, of very much that child-led learning, that really following in-depth children's interests and fascinations. You are increasingly aware of the children's interests, of course you are, but you're also increasingly aware of the adults themselves and what the ad- how the adults respond and what the adults will think of or see or how they will engage with the children and how they then take that on in that different adults will see different things and respond in different ways. And you want an adult who is open to what the children are saying, of course, but you also want an adult who's got that toolkit, as I mentioned before, of all sorts of different ways where this might go, of the sorts of things this might link with and and we can discuss or we can show the children. Those those sorts of possible lines of development that I think are really interesting um, to both children and to adults. Because um, as we've talked about before on the podcast, um, I think it then leads to that sort of those moments where adults and children are learning together and exploring together and wondering together and, and, and problem solving together. And that's that that development of that really rich learning relationship that you get through this sort of experience. Um, what happens next? What happens next in terms of that planning process? Could you tell us a bit about that planning as a team, planning with the children? What does that look like? Um, so we'd say, wouldn't we, that whilst we, I think we were talking about Victoria and how skilled she is, and I think Jasmine and I were mentioning to each other that we talk amongst ourselves. We all yeah. we go to one another to. If I'm at a point where I think, oh, it's it's not going any further now, I think, oh, right, I could go to Jasmine or Christine or one of the other teachers in in the setting. Um, to help yeah and I think that we have um, you know like every community we have adults and people who are skilled in different things people have different strengths so I know who I can go to for certain advice or I know who might have a certain resource or so I think those conversations between adults are so crucial all the time because sometimes I might say to Lucy oh I've got this interest going on and she'll say I've got a book about that or I've got a really interesting object or item I could I could give you which would really inspire the children and um you know some some people are really skilled outdoors. Some people are really skilled in the woodwork area. So um, often we might go to those practitioners for advice around that. And um, some some practitioners are amazing at getting free stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they're really good. They might have really good links with a place they can go and get wood or a place they can go get art materials. So, um, and, you know... And during our... We have... I can't remember if I mentioned it, but we have a two-hour staff meeting, which is a little bit longer than the 
the primary school, but we need that time to talk to each other and to open those conversations where it might be that another practitioner is like, oh, I I can help you in that area. Or why don't you do this? Or I can go and get you this resource. So that time every week is essential. And not to mention after school, in between, during, we're constantly talking and constantly communicating to work together collaboratively. And And some people just have a different view, you know, um, often I speak to Maeve, she still, she still comes in and we speak on the phone and I'll say, oh, I've got, I've got an an unusual interest and I've never had it before. And it's about this. And then she'll say, oh, well, have you tried showing them this or talking to them about this? And just somebody with a different viewpoint can be so helpful. Experience and expertise. Yeah, exactly. Our foundation lead, Hilary, she's been doing it for years. She's, She's been to Reggio. She, she is our inspiration. She provides yeah. us with so much knowledge that sometimes I'm five years in, but that's nothing. That's nothing yeah. in the years of teaching. I, I need, we need to go to people to. Yeah. And everyone, everyone's, um, yeah, everyone's at a different point in their experience. You know, at the moment we've got students and they're right at the beginning of their journey. So they're they looking can, to us. They can look to us and yeah. learn from our experience. And, and you do learn so much from experience. Absolutely. So, yeah. And and then do you then take from the planning with the adults, do you then go to your groups of children and then have another planning meeting or is it the other way around? Is it or is it more flexible than that? How does that work? Yeah, we have. Yeah, um, it's, it's quite, quite flexible. Definitely. We have our, whilst our classes are, we have 30 children, 32 children. We do split into family, family groups. And we have a teacher and a TA within the colour groups of purple, for example, and they would comprise of reception and nursery children. And that's an opportunity. We have family group meetings twice a day, and it's an opportunity for us to provide, to, to talk, to ask about their emotions, their well-being, their feelings, their interests. And often we do provide provocations within that meeting. It's quite interesting to sit with them. And for example, I once introduced a, a crystal and I kept it secret and I was going, I've got something really magical and immediately the children were drawn into that they were they were inspired they were part of it they Mm -hmm. wanted to know what it was and it it went into so many different lines of inquiry from that one meeting and that's not come from their interest but I just knew that it would interest them so then Mm -hmm. it took them into their own interest into their own areas and that's the way that we plan and work and yeah no absolutely and and I think I think what comes across is that actually this is a, a kind of a two-way process that you've got the interests of the children and you've got highly skilled staff in observing, engaging, talking and interacting with the children and, and engaging with those interests and seeing where they could go. But you've also got adults who are bringing new, new ideas to the children as well. So um, through perhaps, you know, through provocations or through an interesting resource or or by thinking, well, actually, you know, if they're interested in this, I might show them this. Is that right? You know, can you think of examples of that? Yeah, it, it's definitely a two a two way process. Um, and often, you know, it, it can be quite challenging. And I think it's something that we we reflect on all the time. You know, we don't want to go in too much and take away from their ideas and, and their, their, voice. their voice and their interest. Um, but also we want to provide things that will inspire them to be curious and to will take their learning further. So I think it can it, it can be something that we do reflect upon often. Um, you know, sometimes we might provide, so we might have a provocation um, linked to 
flowers that they've been interested or flowers that they've picked from our woods visits. We visit the woods weekly, um, but then we might just provide some ten frames. So it's like a little suggestion Extension, yeah. almost. And it's not that they, you know, we might provide 10 frames, we might provide drawing um, resources, projections, um, projections music. music. So they have choice in where, how they might express themselves. But then that opportunity is there, the, um, you know, and they, they can use the petals to... to build numbers and yeah. um, I think I think an example I had sorry to interrupt okay. is the bees so yeah. we, the, our children have been really interested in bees I think most children are and bee day world bee day on Saturday and which is a bit of a coincidence actually because I didn't know until they <laughs> talked about it um, but they noticed the bees on the flowers so they talked about it in family group time and we were talking about what bees are and how they're important and then from that I thought right there's so much interesting things that we can introduce from bees so we looked at honey, nectar, how they build hives, the concept of the queen bee. And from that, the children have just taken it into a multitude of directions. Different lines of inquiries have come from them now and the the work that they've, they've created from it, the drawings, the writing is just stunning. And it's whilst I have given them different perspectives they've taken it in again taken it in their own direction mm. so it's a constant back and forth back and forth and, yeah. and you're never providing well we, we're never providing anything that we think right it's going to end like this because we truly never know where it's no, going to you go might, you might have some outcomes in mind mm. but I think it's being open to that the completely journey. changing yeah. often yeah. and that the children do have the opportunity to to take it in their direction um, but you know obviously as practitioners and with the experience we have you're constantly thinking there's some things in your mind where you think oh they might take it this way and they might learn this but um, yeah you think oh actually it's quite scientific this yeah <laughs> yeah it's um, good linked to the curriculum <laughs> but you, you're always making sure that you are open enough to allow the children to take it in their direction yeah yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think what um, is very clear is that um, what the way that you are working is interesting and exciting to you as teachers and practitioners. You can hear it in the in your the excitement in your voice as you're telling us about things. You can hear it in the passion in your voice for the role that you have there uh, as an educator at the school. Um, and it strikes me that I think that comes from that sort of stepping into the unknown a little bit that actually a bit like you said you don't know exactly where you're going with all of these things you know when you're exploring bees you're not necessarily an expert on bees yourself and that that's a different relationship that you have with the children then you're kind of walking together with them kind of hand in hand in terms of learning something new I think I think often they teach us and they inspire us that's yeah that's part of the relationship and we've got I've got a little boy in my class that He's just an expert in creatures. He has fascinations with millipedes, centipedes, mini beasts, all sorts. And he's a bird expert. Bird yeah. expert, yeah. <laughs> and he taught me about millipedes and centipedes. I didn't know the position of the legs. And I was yeah. like, he's five and he's teaching yeah. me. And it's wonderful because then I feel, I feel inspired. And I think, oh, I'm going to research it a bit more. And I'm going to pass on that knowledge that this child has given to me and research it myself. And I think... Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's, import, it's important that children see us as learners because actually we never stop learning. We're, yeah. it, as adults, we're, there's always things we can learn. There's no ending to your learning. You're always on the journey. And I think it's important that 
that they see us as learning and they know we don't have all the answers they know that you know we we, have, we, we have to be searched and, yeah. and, and we're on the journey together and I think that's quite empowering for young children to know that it, it's it's a joint experience yeah absolutely the um and, and tell us you must see a difference in your children through this approach you know what's the impact you know both in terms of what they're learning about and you've mentioned that quite a lot haven't you but also in terms of those learning attributes you know the what what is it you see in the children that you think actually do you know what that's developed because of the way that we're working and this particular relationship this special relationship we have with them what do you see oh everything yeah. like the product we, we were saying that we're, we're a school so naturally the children come into us and they're nervous the tiny humans they're three four and five and they're leaving their parents and it's a new experience it's quite daunting but we're providing such a rich learning environment that it gives those resilience mm-hmm. building confidence building and happy children that yeah. get to explore everything and, and you know we're coming to the towards the end of the year now and they are so such resilient learners and they're so motivated to learn and something that we're so passionate about is creating children who are curious and they're asking questions about the world because that's something that they will carry with them into adulthood and you know we want them to ask questions and and experiment with things and um you know that that that's how you become a successful person and um that we can definitely see that um, our children are so creative. So all those skills that you need to help you in life, we are really seeing now with our children. Um, obviously, we don't know what the future holds for our children. We don't know what the world will look like in 20 years. But we hope that with the skills we've given them, that they will take any challenge on and they can, they will amaze us yeah. as it's they quite, are now. It's quite cliche, I guess, but... The saying that the children are our future, they are. So yeah. it, it's our job to give them knowledge and skills. And, and particularly, we have a massive interest in the unit about climate change and, mm. and reusing resources and recycling and looking after our animals and, and the planet. And we see that coming through in, in the children themselves and the way that they interact and the way they have discussions. We, we had um, parents, meeting, parents meetings yesterday and it was really lovely to get some feedback from the parents where they were saying, oh, they go out and they're wanting to pick up litter. And, and, it, and it's, it's lovely for us to hear that because we think, oh, that's come from us. That's something that we're imparting on, on them and, and yeah. helping them learn and, and build upon. Yeah, and through each of our projects at the moment, we've got, at the moment, I've got a city project where the children are learning about Leeds and we've been going to quiet areas and louder areas. And um, the, so the woods has come up in our project and the children are talking about the birds and we need to look after the birds and we can't chop down the trees. And I think that they're so passionate about their environment and their world. And that makes us feel really proud because that's what we, we want for our future. Absolutely. We want children to care about our world and our environment and our city and um and I feel like that's something that we have really seen instilled come in them, through yeah. and, and and it is instilled in them and you know we do we do have the same challenges that a lot of people are facing at the moment and these children have spent a lot of their years in lockdown and that's been challenging for them to come into the sessioning in September but actually um through our our approach we feel that we have really supported them with their um, personal and social development. And Giving them the experiences that you don't have inside of it. Some yeah. children don't get to 
to experience it. Really yeah. Have. And some children have just needed the freedom to to explore and freedom experiment. to experiment and Jump, lead climb their, trees. Yeah, and <laughs> lead their own learning. And um, I think that that's seems more important now than ever for our young children yeah absolutely absolutely um as i've as, as i've been listening to you um i'm aware that I, i'm sure lots of people are the same that people will be really really interested to to see it to see what it looks like in practice to kind of to visit the setting i'm i'm definitely going to book in time to come and visit if that's all right um and i know that you've got an event coming up haven't you um in july is that right tell us about the event coming up in july yeah um the first of july it's a saturday morning we have got an event called the spaces of fascination so it's an opportunity to come in have a look around see what we do see how we use our environment to help the children to help the children learn and to meet the team yeah yeah meet <laughs> the team and ask any questions and um, we're also on social media we're on twitter and instagram at mm, but our instagram is our foundation sage underscore mwp for yeah. manor primary <laughs> If you search, if you search Manor you'll, you'll, you'll find us. Yeah. We, I'm sure people will search it on, on social media, um, but we can put the links and things like that into the information for the podcast uh, so people can find it. And so, yeah, if you're, if you're in the north of England or if, you, or if you're fairly local to Leeds and you fancy a really inspirational space to go and visit, I would definitely recommend it. I'm, go- I'm definitely going to book myself in. Um, Jasmine and Lucy um, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this morning thank you so much for joining us on the podcast thank Thank you you for having having us So there you go. A big thank you to Jasmine and also to Lucy for joining us on the podcast this week. If you want to know more about the open event at Manor Wood on Saturday the 1st of July, then follow the link below for more information. Uh, That's about it from us for this week. Um, Thank you very much for joining us. Um, We'll see you next time.